0: Welcome to the Back to the Bricks podcast, a new podcast about sports, faith, and culture. I'm Justin. And I'm Nick. Close friends
1: turn mid-major rivals. Join us as we venture back to the bricks. Welcome back to the bricks. We're going to jump right in to college football, Justin. We're seeing people like Colin Coward. We're seeing people like Paul Feinbaum. We see some ADs, some commissioners saying some crazy things about whether or not they're going to be playing college football on time in September, in the fall, whether we're going to be pushing it to May. I, I don't even know where to start, Justin, but I think we have to start with what Coward said yesterday. He has some sources close to the vest, of, as, of course, he does and says he does at least. Maybe, maybe they're not really very, uh, verified sources, but, you know, Coward, he thinks they are, saying that <laughs> saying that Alabama-USC week one non-conference game is not happening because the Pac-12 has already come out as a unit and said, hey, we're, we're going virtual. Um, we've seen the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest go very harshly against the coronavirus, against reopening their states. We've even seen the LA mayor say we're not opening until there's there's a cure, which is, is a very interesting comment. But what what do you think about this? No USC Alabama. What does that what's that even say, Justin?
0: Well, I think it gets deeper than just college football. Like the fact that the like the county that L.A. sits in is saying that they're going to go on um, the stay-at-home order for three months additional. That takes away the meat and potatoes of the Pac-12. I mean, that's taking away USC, it's UCLA, it's all those storied kind of teams that are followed there in L.A. and on. The, when we when you think of the Pac-12, no matter if you think Oregon runs the conference and Washington like it has the past couple of years, when you think of the Pac-12, you think of USC and UCLA. I mean, that's that's the two schools you think of. So if those two schools aren't going to be able to participate, what's the point of the Pac-12 participating, you know? And so um, the SEC is always sports first, always. I mean, academics, in everything they do, they're going to be sports first. I mean, on their commercials for their schools, during their sports, they show their sports more than they show their school, which that's that's a debate that you can get into any day. Um, but I think – I think it's going to come down to some crazy stuff happening in college sports just in general Um, with some schools taking away whatever sports they have to to make their their big money uh, items stay stay in business. But, I mean, honestly, how much of a game would USC and Alabama have been um, to start with? So, you know, Alabama getting USC off the schedule probably isn't that big of a deal um, to Alabama. They'll probably get some better some better PR by playing somebody else who's been a little better the past five years.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I don't think it's going to affect Alabama and I don't think it's going to affect the sec. And I think when it boils down to it, you've heard some people like fine Bob originally say, Oh, the sec is going to play. We're going to play no matter what. And a lot of those schools have already said, Hey, we're going to start in the fall. Like nothing's happened. Like we'll take precautions, but we're going to have fall classes. We're going to be as normal as possible. And it's because of what you hinted at Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Tennessee all of these schools are going to play football because they have to it's how the university survives there's no option and I mean you you look at even recently a school like Akron cutting some some lower um, sports like golf and cross country and I think you'll see more low lower level group of five kind of schools have to cut those things but you're also going to see the response from these big big time power five which is what we're seeing of we have to play football this is how we pay everything we do this is how we make money as a university this is how we exist and so that kind of leads me into thinking justin is this the start of these power five schools breaking away from the ncaa and kind of you know just saying this is it we're out we're going to succeed we're going to start our own thing and this is the reason that they've been looking for and the opportunity they've been looking for to get out
0: i was discussing this the other day with somebody the ncaa needs the universities. The universities don't need the NCAA. Don't get that confused. The universities can exist and have sports and have bylaws and all this stuff without having the NCAA involved. And so I think the NCAA is seeing a little bit of, oh, crap. Like, this is this is going to go bad for us if we don't figure something out because we've hinted at it for years. Everybody's hinted at it for years. At some point, these schools are going to break away because they're just fed up with what the NCAA is doing. And I think every year, every situation that's controversial, you know, shows that to the NCAA. And so I think it is a supreme possibility that these schools might break away and do things on their own. You know, that, like, the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 come together to join to make some super conference or whatever and have their own bylaws. And then out of those three, you have the national champion, you know, because truthfully – how much of college football is run outside of those three conferences? You know, those three conferences really run college football. I mean, the ACC. I mean, you might have some some conversation with there with with Clemson, whatever. But you know, and you throw Notre Dame in there, you can have whatever you can have whatever postseason you want to have. You can do whatever bylaws you want to have. You can pay whoever you want to pay. I mean, I, I think it's a real possibility that the, that the schools might start breaking away from the NCAA. Yeah. And that, you know, Justin, you brought
1: that up. I mean, I'm not going to let you take that shot at the ACC and then casually slip Notre Dame in there. I, I heard that, but what I, what I, what you made me think of is we've been talking about wanting the college football playoff to expand to six, eight, 12, whatever, you know, whatever form you want, but maybe, and I think this, this might be a legitimate possibility. The NCAA sees what's down the road and they see, do we, if we go to eight, all that's encouraging is the group of five teams. It's not encouraging the winner of the SEC, the winner of the ACC, the winner of the big 10, the winner of the big 12. That's not what it's doing. Like those teams are getting in as it is with, with, with the four slots. And so I think they may have been avoiding that. I mean, I think they could have made a lot of money there, but maybe they were already looking down the road saying, Hey, this is, this is a start of this happening. But I think you look at a school like, like Kentucky, and I'm wearing my Louisville hat for those of you that are, that are watching us visually, but you, you look at a school like Kentucky who the last few years, there's been several reports of them being connected in the, in the sport of basketball to athletes making money from Nike and nothing's happened. And I think the NCAA does look at schools like that and they, they, they draw the line. They say, this is not a school that I'm going to cross. They make too much money for the NCAA. They make too much money for the sport. And that's exactly what you're going to see with a school like Alabama, like Auburn, like LSU, go down the list. You're going to see that. And so I think, at first, the NCAA is going to try to do what they did the other day and saying, we're not going to make a uniform start date. We're not going to tell you what to do, but I think they've already given up too much power, and I think what's going to happen is the AD of Alabama is going to have more power than the commissioner of the NCAA, and I think that's going to happen really quickly, and I think we're going to see football in the fall, at least, of those major programs. Is it going to look the same? Probably not, but but as a Pac-12, as the Pac-12, I would be rethinking my decision to not jump right into the fall from a money standpoint. Do I think it's the right decision COVID-19 wise? I don't know. And I think that that's what worries me from that standpoint.
0: Well, and let's just face the facts. As you get into June and July, it's football season. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. It's June, July, August, it's football season all across the country at every level. I mean, camps start happening, workouts start happening. Everything starts happening in June and July. Something's going to be made because as much as people love baseball and say it's America's national pastime, this country runs off of football at every level. Youth, high school, junior high, you know, college, NFL. The country runs off of football. Something's going to be decided, and if there's not football in the fall, people will lose their minds. I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. I'll miss football. Nick, you'll miss football. We'll, we'll miss the things it gives us, and people will be – fuming mad at the fact that there won't be football in the fall. And it's, it'll be, it'll be crazy is all I'm going to say. I don't know what it's going to look like, but if it, if there is not football, it's, it's going to be nuts.
1: Yeah. I think, I think just basic, basically from an economic and an emotional standpoint, football is going to happen. And I think it's going to have to happen. And I, I wish that wasn't the only option. Yes. As a fan who can stay at home and watch with, you know, in my, in the safeness of my own home. Yes. That's fine for me. Like that's not going to affect me at a you know very deep level. But I, I still don't love the idea of throwing these 18 to 22 year olds out there like it's normal, like nothing's happening, especially when I think about the fact that they could be they could be carrying the virus and passing it to other people and we would never know it. And so I think that's something that's that's going to be a hard topic and we're going to have to continue to talk through what does it look like to encourage universities making money through sport at the cost of other people potentially losing their lives so I think I think that's I mean it's a hard topic, but I think I think footballs gonna win and I think football wins out a lot and so I, I just hope that the consequence isn't too big and that that money isn't the only deciding factor but coaches coaches in the, in football justin have we've we've talked about some coaches that have been a little outlandish like Dabo um just talking about like we're gonna play football like we're America we're gonna get over this we've discussed that before but now we're seeing we saw saw some quotes from Purdue basketball head coach Matt Painter the other day, and it was very obvious to me that he has been burned by a few things: one, lazy players, and two, players that are transferring out of his program as grad transfers. Recently, Matt Harms transfers to BYU, a big miss for UK. Yeah, I had to take the shot there. I don't think he's really that good of a player, but I think what Painter was trying to say is that what Painter was was trying to get at here basically is these kids come into college, they don't work hard. And then they expect to be pushed into being an NBA player developed into being an NBA player. And they, they don't bring the work ethic and then they leave. And he's like, well, don't call yourself a Boilermaker and don't blame me essentially. But Justin, let me read you, let me read you a couple of the quotes here. Cause they're, they're just too good to not. So the first one, this is a, again, Matt Painter, head coach of Purdue quote, these guys are like, Hey, I want to be a pro. I'm like, why don't we be all conference in college first? Why don't we try that out? So you'll guys so, you'll get guys that average four, six, nine, or 10 points and say, Coach, I want you to develop me into a pro. Well, why don't you work like a pro? Ooh, that's a good one, Justin. I want you to develop me into a pro, but why don't you work like a pro? Let's start there. What, what do you think he's, he's getting at here?
0: Well, I, personally, I want to know what Matt Painter's doing to push these guys to work like a pro. Like, you can tell somebody to go work like a pro, but you have to, like, show people how to do that like that's what leaders do leaders show people how to do certain things and let's just be honest matt painter is not one of the one of the top coaches in college basketball i i mean i'm just gonna be honest and what does he had? one true nba guy i mean carson edwards right and that dude was a stud and i can guarantee you that um he knew how to work like a pro because he's been successful at the nba level so if if you're gonna throw this comment out you gotta have some clout to, to be able to back it up. And, and Matt, you, you don't have any clout to back it up, all right? You had one deep tournament run with Carson Edwards, who put on a show like probably anything we've seen before, other than, you know, Steph Curry, who put who put on that show in March. That, that tournament that, that Carson Edwards had was unreal. And sometimes the Purdue teams have been successful in spite of certain – Predicaments in certain circumstances, and I'll just leave it at that. And you can read between the lines of what I'm saying. But if you're going to throw these comments out, you gotta you gotta have some 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 like I said, some clout to say stuff like that. In my personal opinion,
1: yeah, I think it's I think it, again going back to like a Dabo Sweeney, it's one thing if Dabo tells you you're not working hard enough, or you're not fit for the Clemson program, or no, you should come back and play another year. You're not ready for pro. Because it's Davo Sweeney, he's won multiple titles. He wins 11, 12 games every – 13 games every year. Like, he knows what he's doing. But I, I agree with you. I think coming from a Matt Painter, that just comes off as jaded, and I think it comes off as you being hurt somehow. Um, and I don't like when a coach comes off as, like, ticked off at a player because of something that – that came. I don't know, something that hurt them somehow in the process when it's like, at the end of the day, X's and O's, you got to win games, you know, on the basketball court. But but he did make another comment, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but he did make a comment about basically like, well, which one of the Pacers are you better than? So he's talking about the NBA team down the road, obviously, the Indiana Pacers. And that reminds me of, of Dino Gaudio, assistant coach at Louisville last year with Jordan Wara, who's now going to be probably an early second-round pick when the NBA draft happens. was hoping he was going to be a first-round, maybe even lottery pick at one point in his career, and it just never really panned out. I don't know about a bust. I I think he's definitely got a potential there. I, I I was very, quite frankly, disappointed in the way that he performed this year. It was either 25, 30 points or nothing from him. And when he was off, the defense wasn't there either. But going back to what I was trying to say is that Gaudio last year wrote down every small forward in the NBA, starting small forward on a whiteboard, and said, which one of these guys can you guard? And that's it. If you can't guard one of these guys, it doesn't matter if you can score 30 or 40. If you can't guard one of these guys, you're not going to make the team and you're not going to be starting. So they're not going to take you in the first two rounds. And I like that honesty. And, and yes, was it helpful for Louisville to have Jordan War back this year? Absolutely. Could they have made a run because of Jordan war's ability to score the basketball? Absolutely. So I think from a coaching standpoint, yes, it's one thing to say, hey, come back and develop. We need you for next year. But I, I do like the coaches that say, hey, you know, go pro, right? And even like a Dean Smith, right? Last dance, you watch him tell Michael Jordan, go pro. Like do it right now. Like this is the right thing. Don't risk injury, don't risk anything else happening. Go now, make your money. And so I think I want coaches to be more honest, but I agree with you Justin. If you don't have any clout to begin with, then it's probably not a great idea to run your mouth. And if you do, at least do it behind closed
0: doors where there's not microphones in front of your face. Yeah, that the those comments just they really irritated me coming from him i mean i i i like what he does painter i like what he does schematically and stuff um and i think he's he's had some success but come on now man like he's talking about grad transfers out here if if my memory serves me right he had spike albrecht who was a little bit of a hero for michigan in the tournament run they made a couple years ago transfer in and guess what Spike started and played a whole heck of a lot for him. So he benefited from grad transfers as well. So you gotta remember and you gotta be very careful with things you say because players listen and I don't care what you think, players remember stuff that coaches have said and will use it against you if you're trying to recruit somebody to come to you. So I mean, the comment was if don't don't come here, you might be a you might have a Purdue degree, but you're not a boilermaker. Like why, why do I want to go play for you? What, what makes me want to go play for you when you say stuff like that? You know. So that's just be very careful because a couple of years ago, Matt Painter was about to lose his job, and then he had a couple of good recruits that saved him. So be careful what you say and what you wish for.
1: Absolutely. Two things there I have to add. First of all, you heard it right there on the Back to the Bricks podcast. The 2013 National Championship happened. He just talked about Spike Albrecht having a breakout game. When Trey Burke went down with uh, three fouls in the first half, not a great Trey Burke game. But beside that, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think even in this day, in this day and age, especially with social media, when a recruit hears something from a former player, it's it's fact, and they'll tell all their buddies, and that's it. And so I think a lot of coaches are burning themselves, not really fully understanding that we fully live in an age in a society where everything you say, everything you type, everything you hit send on, there's receipts for, and you will be found out. And so I think that maybe is boiling us down to getting some higher character guys and getting some guys out who don't have higher characters. So maybe, maybe that is a win, but staying on the basketball topic. Justin ESPN released what has been a highly debated top players of all time in your beloved NBA one through 10. And I, let me just go through it first, Justin, and then I'll let you just absolutely sound off. So, number one, easy, MJ. We've all been watching The Last Dance. We've all been encouraged to continue to remember MJ. Justin's wearing his LeBron James jersey, for those of you who cannot – or LeBron James shirt. LeBron, LBJ greater than MJ is what Justin's shirt says. But, but – so we got Michael Jordan, one. LeBron, two. Kareem, Kareem, three. Bill Russell, four. Magic Johnson, five. Wilt Chamberlain, six, which I think is pretty low for Wilt Chamberlain, but I'll leave that to you. Seven for Larry Bird. Eight, Tim Duncan. Nine, um, Kobe Bryant, and ten Shaquille O'Neal. So, I mean, a couple things jump out to me right away. Kobe at nine seems like an absolute ridiculous spot to put him. But I'll let you take it away, Justin. Please break this down for me.
0: You know what? What I want to know what ESPN did their rankings based off of. Like, I I just want to know what your formula was because I'll give all credit to Larry Bird, heck of a player, you know clutch didn't want to see him with the ball in his hands with any amount of time left if you had a lead and they had a chance to get it but come on he's not better than kobe all right larry bird is not better than kobe tim duncan is not better than kobe i love tim duncan i love the big fundamental but come on now he's not better than kobe It's flat disrespect that you're going to put Kobe at 9, and it's probably even more disrespectful that you're going to put Shaq at 10. Take away the last five, six years of Shaq's career because he was old and fat and couldn't move, but the beginning of his career, that dude was a phenom. Like, there was nobody who could stop that dude. There was nobody. That's the reason why the Lakers had that run and, and all that stuff. Yes, Kobe is good, but he was young. Shaq was a phenom. And so I get, I get Will. I kind of get the top five. I mean, I get MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Bill, and, and Magic. I, there's so much of a lore. We have stated this so much so much of a lore with old school basketball that it, it really is ridiculous with the fact that you rank some of these guys above them. Larry is not better than Kobe, and he's not better than Shaq. I mean, I, in my opinion, Larry should be 10. It's just based off whatever. I I don't understand what they're doing here. I
1: I think just off the top of my head, like the the Larry Bird, Kobe, yeah, that that just doesn't make any sense, right? From a physical standpoint, from the way they played the game, and and like you said, like even the picture of Larry Bird on this, you know, this graphic, like just takes you back somewhere. I think it's from his rookie year picture with like this bright flash. Yeah, it's an old picture of Larry Bird. And I think that's what it is. And we've talked about it. And we're going to keep talking about it because it's what the issue is, is somehow these guys were better because they played 20, 30 years ago. And I just don't think that's true. And, And, again, we've talked about the, you know, if LeBron, KD, Steph, all these modern guys played against these guys, they could run up and down the floor on them. And I don't think you can argue with me on that. And a lot of them are bigger, Steph not included but a lot of them are bigger than these guys in the first place, better athletes, you know, spend more time in the gym, do way different weight programs, all these things are more explosive. And I don't think that's the only thing that should be debated. Now I like, I don't think Justin and tell me if I'm wrong here. I don't think the reason that LeBron might be considered better than MJ is because he's bigger and faster. Like, I don't think that's a fair assessment. Like I don't think that that fulfills my need, but, but tell me just, just in two seconds, Justin, why should I swap LeBron and MJ on this list?
0: You should swap LeBron and MJ, partly because of physicality. I mean, what LeBron does at his size and um, in his, in his position is unreal. And I get that MJ has six and that LeBron has three. But let's look at the level of competition. MJ never had to play a team like the Warriors. Okay? He, he never did. Um, and he never had to come through some of the gauntlets that LeBron had to come through in his younger career. And I don't care what you say. MJ never had to play with scrubs like LeBron did his first couple of years in Cleveland. My goodness, I was watching the 2009 Easter Conference Finals. The, the team that they have around, around LeBron is despicable. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. So that's just, and probably a little bit of it's my personal opinion, I just I think LeBron, with what he does in his game, is a better overall player than Michael Jordan. Not comparing titles, not doing any of that just overall better player than MJ. You don't have to believe me. You can look at my Twitter feed and see that nobody believes me. So, I I think that I just I just think LeBron is a better overall player than Michael Jordan if you throw titles and everything out the window, which in a world where that's important you can't. But
1: but I think it goes back to I think it goes back to what you said earlier, Justin, and this has always been my beef with the college football playoff. Is Tell me what you're looking for. Are you looking for the four best teams? Are you looking for a conference champion? Are you looking for undefeated? Are you looking for played a strong non con? Just tell me what you're looking for and then I'll be fine with whatever your four is. And that's the issue I have with this list is it? I honestly think this was put together in order to create a buzz and you know what shout out to ESPN we're all bored. We're all need some sports debate and talk in our lives. So I think they did that to a certain extent, but tell us what, you know, tell us what your measuring stick is, tell us what your requirements are and I'll be okay with it. But I agree with you. I think just from, just from seeing a graphic, it's hard for me to fully grasp what they're trying to get at here. And I, I think it's, it's really hard not to look past three or four or five on this list and think they just threw some names on there and really didn't really didn't give it a lot of thought, but you kind of give me a good transition there, Justin, to our goat of the week. So I've been watching, you know, I've been trying to catch up on the last dance, did a little Hulu free trial to, you know, get in there and catch up on it. And one, I I do want to add this before I move on. I don't think you can argue that MJ is a better teammate than LeBron. And let me explain that. When we watch the last dance, all we see is MJ get at his teammates and pick on them. And then we see the older man who's now sitting there looking back and like almost – thinking trying to rationalize the way that he treated his teammates and trying to come to terms with the way he experienced things and you can see multiple times he's very emotional about it and I think if you if he really got down to his heart which I think that man struggles to do I think he still absolutely struggles with his image and his pride he would tell you that he wish wishes he could have done that differently and I think you would see some guys even like Steve Kerr who I'm going to mention that would say hey yeah our relationship wasn't great yeah we won basketball games, but..." He really wasn't the best teammate in the world. So I think LeBron is is probably checks the moral box a little bit better there. Um, but that's a that's a discussion for another day, but all that to say, Steve Kerr, I saw this lovely graphic. you know, the man won five titles as a player with Chicago and San Antonio, three titles as the Golden State head coach, shot forty five percent career from three. And of course, was on the second best team, regular season team ever, and coached the first best regular season team ever in NBA history. So, Justin, tell me why Steve Kerr is not the greatest of all time, at least player coach. You know, he's right there with Bill Russell, at least one, two, one A, one B. But why is Steve Kerr not getting getting more conversation here when we're talking about MJ and the Last Dance and all this?
0: Well, there. You're going to get me started. The reason why is because, first off, any of those role players who were on that team with, with MJ and Pippen and those guys, Kerr had some big shots. But you were blessed with an opportunity to play with some of the best basketball players of all time and go win some titles. So I'll give you that. And San Antonio, you probably had a, a big role in that too because you were a vet on that team and all that kind of stuff. So I'll give him that. There's five titles. That's impressive. The Warriors stuff, man – he was graced with one of the best basketball teams ever. His stuff, he, he's a decent coach because he gets those dudes to play together. But when you're graced with that man, if you don't go win some titles, that's you're going to end up like Mark Jackson. And so I think Mark Jackson laid a lot of that foundation and laid a lot of that stuff that Kerr got the opportunity to step into. Kind of like Phil. Got the opportunity to step into like a a finished product kind of thing and just take them to the next level. So I respect Kerr. I respect what he does. I respect the bulldog mentality he has because I love that. But I don't. I don't know if you. I don't. Maybe player coach because there hasn't been a lot of them. He's one of the best. Like a lot of good ones. Um, but just like overall coach, I, I don't know if he's one of the best ever. So I think
1: he's at least up there for, you know, greatest of all time as far as being in the right location at the right time. I mean, I'll give you, like you said, he benefited. And we talked about that a few episodes ago, but I I, I think you need to consider when you talk about guys like MJ and LeBron is who do they have, who do they have around them? And you talk a lot about that when you debate those two, Justin, but I think, you know, he was a talented guy, obviously, like you're not on the floor if you're not talented. You you know, we talked about this before, if you can't shoot the basketball and in the NBA, you don't play. And so I think, he was a pretty good player and yeah, absolutely benefited from being on the best team and coaching the best team. So, I mean, talk about getting the the best end of the stick for both player and He's coach. Smart. Steve Kerr, he seems to be in the right spot. He's maintaining it, making a lot of money. You know what, man, keep doing what you're doing. Who you
0: got for go to the week, Justin? Yeah, uh, My go to the week, Nick, you and I are both teachers. And uh, last week was teacher appreciation week. And so um, I just wanted to give a, just give a shout out to teachers out there, man. They're doing great things. They're doing things right. I know a lot of people in my district, a lot of teacher in my di- teachers in my district are doing some great things. Um, administrators, all the people involved in this. Look, I, this is difficult. I know some of you have kids and some of you want to be in school and all that kind of stuff. Teachers are doing their very best and I know everybody is right now. And so I just wanted to give some love to our profession. Um, not not to give myself love because I'm not lumping myself into that, but a lot of people are doing a lot of amazing things in the teaching world. And I just wanted to give them a little pat on the back because they're, they're doing some great things.
1: Absolutely. And I think anytime that your profession is flipped upside down and your, your job description and requirements are completely different that you deserve some praise. And I think even like a, almost like an NFL referee or something like that, we are on display every day to the kids, but now in this day and age, we are on display to both the kids and the parents 24 seven and, we're seen as, as someone who can be contacted and um, be told off. Let's just say that at any time of the day. And so I think definitely, I know some of my administrators and staff as well have just been working their butts off and doing more than they need to, quite frankly, but you're know, really doing the best they can to try to connect with these students and make the most out of this situation. So that's awesome. Let's get over to the funniest thing of the week. I think uh, we'll go back to college football, Justin. We talked about, you know, what's the CDC advising, what are, ncaa what are the power five sec all these people deciding to do lovely tweet i saw this week of the cdc guidelines for stadiums in the fall this this year and it was a lovely nc state grad tweeting a picture of the north carolina football stadium about uh let's graciously say 17 percent full justin um and and i think it'll be a lot more full this year either way with mac brown getting things going in the right direction but i just thought that was really funny and i always love when we can take a harsher moment like this and, and put some rivalry fun into it. I, I think that's great. What about you, Justin?
0: Yeah, that that's funny. But for me, so Beth Moore, if you don't know who she is, go check her out on, on Twitter and stuff. Um, but her dog got, like, attacked by a snake, I think I saw. A poisonous snake, um, absolutely. Her, yeah, poisonous snake. And so her commentary going along, it's not a funny situation because it's a poisonous snake to a dog, and we love our our dogs and I love my fur babies. And so it's not, it's not a funny situation, but her commentary along with it and the video she made about like some black stuff coming out of the wound and all this stuff. Like it just had me laughing because it was her commentary was classic on it. And so that's my funniest thing of the week. Just the fact of her um, analyzing the situation and all that stuff was just funny. So if you have a chance, go check that out. Look at that uh, situation on Twitter. Cause it was, it was funny. Absolutely. For me. Absolutely.
1: Justin, I'll tee it up for you going back to that NBA NBA rankings. I know you want to go a little bit further down the list and take your roast of the week what you got.
0: So, I won't I won't, you know, go fully out on a tangent, but the list is flawed at 13 and 14. So, say what you might. Steph Curry is at 13. Kevin Durant is at 14. How in God's name do you watch the finals, the the past, the two years before this past one, so two years ago and three years ago, how do you watch those and say that Steph is better than KD? Even watch the one in 2016 when you know Steph threw the mouthpiece and you know he got all hot dog and tried to throw a pass behind his back and crunch time and, and threw it straight out of bounds, which allowed for the Cavs to capitalize and take that series. And mind you, the Cavs are down three one. I'll I'll remind everybody of that again. And LeBron said, let's go, little kids. Let's go win the title, him and Kyrie. So I don't know how you put Steph at 13 and KD at 14 other than Steph is the only guy with a unanimous MVP in history. Oh, well, whoop-de-doo. Nobody else really was in contention that year, and he should have been unanimous. But you cannot tell me that KD is a better player than Steph. And the big thing here is, KD's got two finals MVPs guess who was on those teams Nick with KD Steph Curry so you can't tell me that Steph is a better player when he can't even win a finals MVP and you got a guy like Andre Iguodala and KD went in two while he was there you you can't tell me that he's better so that right there just shows me the list is garbage absolutely absolutely
1: I think I have to I think I've got to go back to the last dance and the whole MJ thing (sighs) The Bulls management, I mean, absolutely props. You won six titles while he was there. So I think, yes, overwhelmingly you did the right thing. You got the right guys there. But to not pay Scottie Pippen, and not only not pay Scottie Pippen, but treat him like he was a role player at best, like he was a Steve Kerr at best. It's just ridiculous. And I I did love the fact that MJ did, you know, he did kindly throw that in there. Like you shouldn't speak Michael Jordan without speaking Scottie Pippen. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the KD Steph thing you're talking about, right? Like it's very much tied their ability, very much tied to who was with them on the floor when they were, you know, down, down to it in crunch time and things like that in the playoffs. But I, I just think it was ridiculous that that man didn't get his moment. And quite frankly, had to make a decision that wasn't the best for him or, or the franchise and get his surgery at the time he did and do all, all those things and all the fallout of that. but I, I mean, come on, man, you can't you can't treat a man like that who is who is your two and only he's your only two because you have Michael Jordan as your one. Like just it's just ridiculous. And so
0: i, I that just disgusted me, Justin. He did make a lot of money in Portland, though, so Scotty got his. He got paid. and he said he, he would.
1: and you know, and I think that you know, so shout out to Scotty. He did get paid, but <laughs> in Chicago, seven year eighteen mil wasn't quite what he should have been signing for.
0: Justin, what you got for our challenge of the week? My challenge of the week, I think at the beginning of all this we all heard, you know, this kind of stuff, but my challenge is do something new, you know? Summer's coming. Um some good weather's coming. Do something new, you know? Go outside, do a new adventure, walk a new trail, you know, do all those things, cook a new recipe, read a new book, do do things that you haven't had the chance to do in a while. Do something new do something you've never done before or do something that you haven't done in a while. So go do something new, have some fun doing those things. Let us know about it and have fun with that. Nick, you got anything to add to that?
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, date your spouse. I think especially in a time like this, when we're stuck in the house, um, and even those, those of us that are newly married and are glad we chose the spouses we did for sure during this season, uh, make sure you're, you're dating your spouse and you're doing those things and you're checking in on those people and, and continuing to make sure that those relationships are growing as well during this season and you aren't losing valuable time that you could have spent doing awesome things and having fun. We will catch you next time back on the bricks with a guest. Thank you for listening to the Back to the Bricks podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, send this podcast to a friend, or share this episode on your Instagram story. We'll see you back
0: on the bricks next time.